And this is Claire. This is episode 320 of the Girls Gone Wild podcast. This episode is sponsored by Ned. We love Ned. Hey guys, if you're listening, we love you guys. And we want to see you soon because you're amazing. And what you're doing is amazing. You can support the podcast by going to Hello Ned. They have all the CBD products that you could ever desire. And they're amazing, amazing business. So please support the podcast by using the discount code GGW and going to see all of their products on helloned.com. And your discount code is only good for your first order. So stock up in that first order. Use it. Stock it up, stock as, it up. Stock it up. Take advantage of the discount. Um, we love their chapsticks. You guys have heard us talk so much about their chapsticks. If you're not quite ready, if all you want is like to dip your little tiny pinky toe into the world of CBD, this is your chance with these hemp chapsticks. They're amazing. Or like JVN would say, your little tiny baby toe. Is that what I not what I just said? You said your little tiny something toe. Little toe? Whatever. Your tiny baby toe. Dip it in. Get some chapstick. It's going to be great. And if you're like, you know what? I'm ready. I'm ready to dive ahead first. Then get their tinctures. They're wonderful. Their body butter. Everything they do is amazing. We love them. We love their products. Go. HelloNed. And they're so com. cute. Hi, guys. They're so cute. You guys are the cutest. You're the cutest. All right, guys. HelloNed.com. This episode is with Lindy Barber. Lindy it's Barber. Been a, it's been a hot minute since we interviewed a CrossFit athlete. Yeah. So we had a listener reach out to us and she's like, because you guys are great. Listeners, you guys are the best. And we're always asking for suggestions on who you want to see on the podcast. And one of our listeners reached out and was like, I know Lindy Barber. We can make a connection. And I'm sure we could have kind of cold called her and reached out, but we always like personal connections. It just makes the conversation so much better. And then they kind of know us a little bit. So we interview Lindy. We talk all about her CrossFit career, all about her career as an athlete, and then her decision to retire. She's just an amazing interviewee. We love people who just tell their stories and tell it well. So hopefully you can get some great insight to what she achieved and accomplished and went through as a CrossFit athlete. And then also that tough decision to retire and what that means for your identity when you're kind of out of that world. And even if you're not into CrossFit and you don't know who Lindy Barber is, listen to this interview because she really gets into a little bit further into the conversation about what it's like to have that identity shift, why it has always been important to her to separate Lindy, the person from Lindy, the athlete. And we even talk about the Great British Baking Show and come to find that Lindy has a secret passion that you need to hear about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So stay tuned for that. Yeah. And also I want to give, I want to do something really, really important that we've always been talking about is to promote our social right now. Yes. Instead of at the end. <laughs> Instead of at the end, check us out. Instagram at Claire underscore Facebook.com forward slash Girls Gone Wild. Girls Gone Wild at gmail.com. Find us on social. Yay. Leave a review. Go to iTunes. Leave a review. Five stars. All the stars. We want your stars. Podcast, Give them to us. Everything. All the things. All the things. Cool. That felt so We hope annoying, you guys love. You guys love us. You're going to stay with us and we love you for it. <laughs> Enjoy. Well, thank you again for joining us. It's so nice to finally be able to talk to you because we've been following you for a long time. But I was listening to some interviews that you did um, on some other podcasts. And I was like, we I have a perception of people like following on social media. But when you hear them on interviews, you're like, oh, I have such a better sense of who this person is. And A, you're a really good interviewer like or interviewee. You present yourself very well. And you have such good energy and the thing that kind of comes across when you're talking about your life and sports is like, you've always been a really hard worker and highly competitive, but you also seem super grounded. Yeah. So it's, it's, I've had a big in-between in my whole life of 
knowing how to work really hard, but also being very humble at the same time, like knowing that sports and athletics doesn't necessarily make me who I am as a human being. So it's not the entire world. It's just a, a piece of who I am as a person, which is something that in my new newly retired life that has really come in a, kind of like a train ball, like it's really come into me. It's really made me think about actually separating the difference between Lindy and the person versus Lindy, the athlete. And it's something that I've struggled with a little bit more than I thought I was going to, but keeping that sense of being grounded as an athlete my whole time has made this transition a little bit easier for me overall. So what do you think that came from? Like the I think groundedness, I, I, because that yeah. you've, I mean, you've truly been an athlete your entire life. Like you've done competitive sports your entire life and on a level where it's not just, you're not just casually playing. Like you had a scholarship in college, you're a professional crossfitter and I don't think you can like lightly compete. So it was it family values, was it things you learned from your parents? Like what was the the inspiration to be like, I am just gonna be grounded and not identify myself hundred percent with this title? Yeah, definitely. So I, I am the baby of five. So I have four older brothers and sisters that came before me. My dad is from good old, I'm from Louisville, Kentucky, and he's from country Kentucky, a town called Springfield, Kentucky. So he grew up on a farm, waking up at 3am, taking care of the cows and the sheep and the cattle and everything that was on his farm. And then going to school, coming home, doing all of his chores after school, going to bed, waking up, doing it all over again. So he came from country farm. My mom is one of eight and she's one of the oldest. So she also helped to take care of all of her brothers and sisters as she was growing up. So she became uh, one of the heads of their household and just kind of took care of her whole family. So both of them just have this seated, hardworking, dedicated, you do what you love to do, but you do it well. And everything that you do, you have to give 100% to it. So I think not only being that, seeing that every single day, seeing both of them, knowing both of their stories, seeing the way that they approach everything that's in their life with 100% effort and dedication to it, and then being the baby of five, where now I'm competing against my older brother and my older sister and my older brother and sister both played soccer in some capacity. And then I wanted to play sports and I wanted to hang out with everybody. And I just became a very big people person. And I had a lot of energy when I was growing up. I wanted to be around people. I wanted, pe I wanted to be doing things. My mom literally had to like let take herself to the grocery store just for like a moment alone because I would like follow her around and I would want to hang out and I would just want to be there and she'd be like go outside and play so then I then I got involved in sports and activities and all I wanted to do was everything anything that I could get my hands on any sport that I could be in I wanted to try and my parents were awesome and they let me try literally everything I played basketball volleyball I tried track I did soccer I was on a jump rope team for eight years I did cheerleading for a day like literally anything that I decided I wanted to try they allowed me to do so to branch out and there were certain times that my mom and dad both were taxiing me around all over this all over the city because I had three different practices in the same day but they wanted to kind of cater that to me and let me get all that energy out and explore and see what became my favorite thing which ended up being soccer and then when I got into soccer it was just it, I had always had this passion for wanting to be my best in whatever it was. I did that in school. I did it. I do it in my business and my own personal life. Now, everything that I do, I try to just do it the best that I can. And when they kind of gave me that idea of, well, you can't do it all very well. 
Like if you, we can try everything, but we're getting at some point in my life, they were like, we, yes, you can try everything, but you're not going to be, you're not going to be able to give a full effort if you spread yourself this thin. So we need to hone it in. Like you need to pick a sport or two sports that we can really focus on, which is how I ended up picking soccer. But again, that kind of instillment of, well, if you're going to do something, you need to do it with everything that you have and be the best and give your dedication and perseverance to that specific, specific thing, which then became soccer, took that through college same thing when I got a job, I gave everything to it. And then eventually into CrossFit once I was done with soccer in okay, college. So you were on a pro- like a professional jump roping team for eight years. I was a, I was on a competitive, I wouldn't say professional because I was like first through eighth grade. Well, for the, for we, people, <laughs> someone like me who barely learned yeah. to do double unders, like it took me a good two years to get a double under when I first started CrossFit. It was like, I'm going to go ahead and call that a professional team. Yeah. <laughs> Because <laughs> yeah, so you were like I, the teams where they would do like synchronized jump roping, right? Absolutely. That was amazing. I remember watching those teams and it's so cool. It's so cool. Yeah, yeah <laughs> we, we did performances at other schools. I'm like, I was one of the girls that if you're flipping through Disney on Sunday randomly and they're like, oh my God, what? A jumper competition? Like, that's me. Like, I did that. I went to Disney twice, like the whole thing. So <laughs> it's like, it was really fun. So when I came into CrossFit, we called them double jumps. We did not call them double unders. So when I came into CrossFit, and I was like, oh, my God, y'all jump rope? Like, hell yeah, this I can do. Like, this I got. I was very excited about the fact that jump roping was involved in this new sport. I really a- wish that the games would do an event that involved <laughs> synchronized double unders, double jumps. Me too. Tricks. Synchronized. I, would lo- I was waiting for my day to come through with triple unders. Oh, my gosh. Man, I killed it. That was Still that shocked. I was waiting for. I'm so shocked those haven't shown up yet. I, um, the thing was that, like, I, I think... Not, not that the judges aren't incredible, but they already have a hard enough time judging double unders that I can't imagine point. what trying to do triple unders would have been. Yeah, that's a super good point. So I have a question about the that, that mentality growing up about, you know, you have to, if you're going to do it, be the best, give it your all, you know, just pick one or two things to really focus on. Did, did you ever feel like that was a lot of pressure as a kid of like, hey, if you're going to do this, you need to be the best at it. Like I would, that you weren't able to just sort of casually. Yeah. And I, my parents at no point were like, you have to be the best, but they were, you have to give your hundred percent effort. And my, my parent, well, my dad was a little bit more in the competitive. He, he just wanted for us to be very successful in what we were doing. At no point did I feel like, you know, he was, he hated me as a daughter if I didn't win this, <laughs> if I didn't score the winning goal or anything, but he had a sense of, I mean, you, I could tell if I had a good game or a bad game by the conversation in the car on the way home. Like that was the kind of like relationship with him, which was fine. And it, it made me want to be better and to practice more. And he would be the one to tell me like, you should be outside practicing your skills or you should practice a little bit more, or maybe we should get to the, the practice area half an hour early. So you can practice your left footed drills, those kinds of things. My mom was way more of was this everything that you had? And if we, she was more of the, I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed kind of parent. So the like, which well, I feel like is the worst. Yeah, it the is. worst. It is like the worst. when my mom would be like, I'm not mad, I'm disappointed. I'd be like, oh, my life is oh, over. Because <laughs> my dad's like, mm, you should have done better. And my mom's like, well, did you do your best? Do you think you did well? And I'm like, uh, I don't know, I guess. Like, I, I don't know. So she, and so I, it was a good balance between the two of them. My mom was nothing but supportive. And if we, honestly could tell her that we did our best and we studied our hardest for this test or we literally gave it our all or I'm just really not good at math so the B is the best I can do like she was okay with that she didn't give us you have to be the best in your class it was more of you have to give your 100% effort in whatever the thing is that you do which again transferred into soccer and into CrossFit in the same kind of manner with I think that 
that's so interesting. Like I'm thinking about my own like parenting style and all these like random, you know, millions of like parenting eth- ethoses, ethi, whatever the plural of ethos is. Um, I wouldn't know. <laughs> yeah. uh, out there where it's like, I feel like, you know, now or for a lot of people who grew up in our generation, it was like any amount of effort, anything. It was like, oh, you know, don't tell your kid that they that they didn't do a good job. Like the last thing you want to do is say like, um, you really like crapped the bed on that one. You know, like you're supposed to, every single thing is supposed to be like, oh my gosh, okay, great job. I know that you like barely tried, but really good work out there. And I think it's just interesting then to see, okay, no, your parents were like, hey, listen, do like, if you're going to do this, do it. And yeah. then, you know, you were able to use that from a very young age to then now become a super dedicated athlete, but who still was able to have that sense of like, just one part of me. Yeah, for sure. And that was the, and I completely understand it just becomes part of that culture of the, everybody gets a medal kind of a thing. And I was, our family was never like that. So the, like the one burned into my brain memory that I can get about this is every single time that you go to a soccer tournament, in which case I went to many, right. Cause I played for multi, for a club team and my high school team and like everyone. So you go to all these different tournaments and every single tournament has a t-shirt, of course. There's like a t-shirt or you get all the ones. And the only way that I was allowed to get the t-shirt of that tournament is if we won the tournament. So that was it. And I had to wait till the end of the tournament. And of course, by Sunday afternoon, when the tournament was over, there was nothing but extra larges or extra smalls. So I still have literally a collection of nighttime t-shirts that are all extra larges because they never fit me. But damn it, I was going to get that t-shirt if we won that tournament because that was my prize. Like we didn't get, we didn't get a t-shirt every single time. I didn't get a stuffed animal every time we went to the store. It was like, I had to earn that t-shirt and we only won however many tournaments but literally we could get to the final and do really well and lose in a shootout my mom was like yeah you didn't win we don't like we don't get the t-shirt it was just kind of the she knew and she instilled that not that she wasn't proud of me for the effort but I don't get the result unless I win the thing like that's it was just kind of like this balance of but then I wanted it and it meant more and I knew that I could do better and it made me want to work harder to then in this, you know, analysis, analysis of life, you like, get the t-shirt. You know what I mean? Like it just made me want to do better to see their end result that I could potentially get or to get the championship that I wanted. So I was willing to put in the work to get the result by the end. Did you feel competitive with your brothers and sisters too, especially being the youngest? I felt more, I didn't really feel that much competition with my sister and that's really credited on her. So my, I have two very older brothers that were in college when I was in grade school. So they are much older than I am. So I definitely wasn't competitive with them, but they treated me like this younger, stupid younger sister all the time, which was great. And that's what all older brothers should do. And then I have my older sister and older brother who were in the household with me while I was growing up. My older sister, this is completely a credit to her, is that she was nothing but my biggest fan. She is the one that would give me the t-shirt at every single thing, even if I fell over and was terrible. Like she was just my biggest supporter and still has been. So we had a really good relationship, but it was more of that she was so good at everything. She was a fantastic soccer player. She was a lovely human being. She was really smart. She got all the scholarships that I almost created that kind of competitiveness in myself to try to live up to the example that she was, that she was setting. My brother 
was not as into sports. He still played sports and got out there, but he was he was more of the academic. He was very good in school. He like was extremely intelligent. So it's like they just kind of set the bar for me so that I became competitive within myself to try to make sure that I could meet the standards that my older siblings had already set. So it was like I was the last one. I couldn't be the screw up. Like I had to and this is all internal. My parents at no point said this to me. But I just wanted to make sure that I could like live up to whatever standard in some way. So I wanted to be smart, but I also wanted to be athletic. I wanted to have the balance of the both of them. I ended up, not that I'm not intelligent, but I ended up definitely like leaning on the athletic side. And that's how I ended up getting my scholarships into college. But school was just harder for me than it was for my older brothers and sisters. I couldn't sit still. So I got real bored in the classroom. So it like led to me having to be active in my studies and treated it a little bit differently than my older brother and other sister. It just came easier to them. And was it your sister that got you into a CrossFit box the first time? It was actually my oldest brother. So my oldest, uh, the oldest one of our, of the five of us, his wife had okay, joined so the CrossFit gym. Yeah. It was my sister-in-law. Yeah. But she, so he has had been dating her since I have memory. So I don't know my life without her. So to me, she's just my older sister, sure. but she's technically my sister-in-law, but she actually had joined a CrossFit box. So when I came home from college, after having been done playing soccer at the university of Dayton, she was the one that was like, why don't you come in with me try this holiday workout? I think you'll love it. It'll be really fun. So I can credit her to doing CrossFit for the first time and getting into it. What was your first workout? Do you remember? We always asked that because I remember mine was Helen. And I remember looking at it and being like, that's it? Yeah, right. Exactly. (laughs) And mine was more so of like, it was one of those, like, I think it was a Christmas or Christmas Eve workout. So there was 45 plus people. There was a whole bunch of different stations. So I know there was some like pull-ups over here. And then I had to run into the tennis court area and do some like line jumps and run laps and come back in. So I don't remember particular, but it was more of like the 12 days of Christmas long grinder or something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, something that was long and I don't remember because I was probably just running around like following my sister around, like not knowing what was going on the whole time. But it was after that day and it was that Christmas break that I did a couple, I came in with her a couple other times, but was so physically destroyed in the best way. Like I couldn't believe how sore I was from this seemingly simple workout that I was like, man, this is good. Like this, this makes me, this gives me the competitive drive. I can try to push really harder. I've been an athlete for however many years now, and I haven't felt this kind of soreness or this kind of exhaustion from a workout in a while. So that's kind of what hooked me was that first, first little taste when I went home. I feel like all the stars aligned in your life to make you such a good CrossFitter from the get go, because (laughs) everything you're describing, I'm like, okay, you have like pretty good gymnastic skills and probably just over Overall, you're so well-rounded as an athlete from all the sports that you've done. And then you're just walking into, into a CrossFit box. Like, what was the point where you're like, oh, I could be really good at this? Um, that That's the one that I remember. So I, I started doing uh, just that, those Christmas things. I went back to school. I was still playing club soccer in my master's years at this point. So I was still, that was my primary. That's what I love to do. I still like did some kind of CrossFit stuff. And at the time I was dating a guy that was like also kind of doing CrossFit, but I didn't do that much of it. And then I came back home for the summer break. And in that summer break, I started going to CrossFit a little bit more and I started to get better rapidly. So it was like all of a sudden I was just figuring, I just like did a bar muscle up just cause I figured it out. And this is like old school days where they didn't ask me to do a strict pull up or like know how to do any bit of upper body strength at all. They were like, just use your hips and kip real hard and get up there. So that was what I figured out how to do. But I figured out kipping pull-ups just because I already had coordination from everything else. So I knew how to move my body in certain ways. So I just kind of figured it out and picked up on that stuff easily. And then there was this other girl who obviously, like, you kind of can tell who in the gym is, like, the good ones. 
the good competitive ones and whatever. So there was this other girl at the time. Of course, I'm still crazy competitive in my head at this moment. So I'm like, that girl looks fit and I need to like see if I can get close to her. And then in whatever the workout was, I was within a couple minutes or so when I was the second, you know, best in the class. And it was kind of like, Oh, like I'm actually getting better at this. I actually have the endurance once I figure out these movements. And then he literally, the gym owner at the time came up to me maybe one or two days later and was like, so there's this thing you can actually compete in this sport. I was like, yes, sign me up. Like I am excited. This is great. So it was one of those that once he kind of mentioned, I didn't even know that there was a competitive aspect to it at all. I just thought it was this gym workout that we did. And he, when he mentioned to me that there was an opportunity to be competitive in it, then it was like, all bets were off. And I was like, well, this is it. This is what I'm doing now. I'm excited about it. And I get to lift weights and do cardio all at the same time. Like, hell yeah, let's go. And so what year was that? That was actually 2010. 2010. It was the very beginning of 2010. So that was back when regionals, I think you just signed up for them. There was no open then. So I went to regionals on this team. It was like a six person team, but it was in Logan, Ohio, Central East. And there was six person teams, but you only chose four people to compete at a time in certain workouts. And I think there was a three day event. And over the three days, I only competed in two workouts because I was still, I mean, I'd been doing CrossFit for like a month and a half at this point. So I did the run and that was it. And then another one that had burpee box jumps and some pull-ups or something in it. And the others I was not chosen to because I couldn't snatch. I couldn't do handstand pushups. Like there was too many events that I couldn't. But then again, that's the same kind of like fueled my fire. I was like, well, next year... 2011, I'm going to be able to participate in all these workouts and like I will get better within the next year so that I can actually play. I, I love to hear the old school CrossFit days of <laughs> like regionals were like, oh, you just show up and sign up. So fast forward, tell the audience briefly, because I know that this was not a brief uh, scenario in your life, but when you had your back injury, um, yeah. which to me, when I hear you tell that story is like, I'm not at all comparing myself to you, but I remember like, I remember when I first started CrossFit, like you kind of don't know until you, until it's too late of like how far you can push yourself. And for me, it's like, I had some minor injuries for myself when I first started doing CrossFit. Cause I was like, Oh, I want to push myself. And you get like that competitive edge. I'm just thinking in terms of like your experience, you had this huge foundation of athleticism and then you probably just push the envelope because you're like, I can do this. I can make this happen. And your body was just like, no, we're not doing this. You have had all these imbalances your whole life. And now we're going to talk to you and tell you to stop. So tell everyone kind of how that came to be and all the things that led up to that. Yeah, for sure. So the 2010 was when I was on the team, but not really on the team because I didn't really get to compete. So it was between 2010 and 2011 that I decided that I was going to go I was going to try a lot harder and I was going to try to practice my skills. And I was still at school at this point. So in in my master's year, so I was trying to just figure it out kind of on my own. So at the time there was a program called CrossFit football again, back in the day, John Wellborn style that I found and decided that this is what I can do because it still had strict pull-ups and bench and stuff that I was really bad at, but it also had squats and deadlifts and running and agility and things that I knew how to do as a soccer player. So I loved that programming because I knew how to do most of it, which, you know, obviously is not the best choice because I already knew how to do it, but I also didn't have a coach. And these were the movements that I felt like I could add weight to and was feeling strong in. So that was the program that I was following. Go into 2011, I thought that I was going to be on a team again because that's what I had done the year before. But then they made the rule that you had to train where you lived. And I lived in Ohio, so I couldn't compete with my team in Kentucky again. So all of a sudden I was going individual. So then it got 
more pressure filled. The open was now this new thing that you had to submit your score online. It was six weeks long. So I started to do the open after having done a little bit more training, still didn't have things like a muscle up or handstand push up. I didn't have all those high skills yet, but so far into the open, it had been some clean and jerks. And I don't remember what else, some burpees, I think movements that I was able to do and do well with. Um, so then I started to train as an individual. The open came up. I was three weeks into the open at this point, was doing really well, was on my track to make it toward regionals. The fourth week came up. I was doing my squats based off of CrossFit football programming. And on one of my squats, literally there was a snap in my lower back and I collapsed underneath the bar in the middle of my set. I had already Uh. done a couple sets. Yeah. It was like not good. Thank God I had the catches up. So the the squat rack itself actually caught the barbell. I collapsed underneath it. And then to wrap it up a little bit overall, I didn't walk for three days after this. I had to be carried out of the gym. I laid on my floor. I had never had, I'd always had a little bit of back pain in my life, but I had never felt anything like this. Nothing that was affecting my life, nothing that was detrimental, nothing that really caused me functional pain. So then I eventually went in to go see a chiropractor because I thought my right hip was out of place. I was starting to have localized pain down my right side of my body. And I was like, oh, whatever, I'm in the open. My right hip is out. Can you just pop it back in and get me back out there? Like, I'm trying to compete in this thing. And he basically said that he wouldn't touch me. He won't adjust me until he gets some x-rays because clearly I'm in a lot of pain. I was still hunched over. I was not able to stand upright and walk on my own by the time I got to him. So he took an x-ray. Verdict was that I had three spinal conditions that I was unaware that I had. So I had scoliosis, spina bifida, and then something else that had just happened, which is called spondylolisthesis, which basically means that my L5 vertebrae, which is the lowest puzzle piece that's in your back, the lowest vertebrae above your tailbone, that is the same one that had the spina bifida in it, which means there was already a huge weak point in part of the vertebrae itself. And then the spiny parts that you can feel when you feel on your spine They are connected to the big body part in the back by little bridges that are called pedicles. The spondylolisthesis means that both of those bridges had split all the way through. So now that vertebrae was literally in three pieces. And then the scoliosis, because I have a curvature of my spine, had twisted the bone away from each other. So it had broken. It was already weak. It had broken and now had twisted into separate areas. So that's why I was feeling all the pain in my right hip is because my whole pelvic bone and all of my vertebrae had shifted to my right side. So I was getting all that pain on the right side of my body. Of course, this was like, I didn't understand all that. He's like explaining this to me and I'm just crying because I was, who wants to hear that they have three spinal conditions at the age of 22 and like that is like that you have had you hadn't really experienced symptoms that led you to be like I have a problem with my back up until this point is kind of unreal right so and it was one of those that like once he and he asked me the same question he said you're telling me like you've never been in pain like you haven't had issues like and to me like nothing that was worth complaining about nothing that didn't that affected my, the rest of my life. Like I had always had a little bit of back pain, especially in soccer. When I would do, when I would play long games after a really like a 90 minute of a really hard, difficult game, like then I would have a little bit of back pain at the end, but I would do nothing but lay down the rest of the day. So it wasn't anything to complain about. Or if I would take a lot of throw-ins or do a lot of header. So like a hyper extension into a rapid hip extension. So something like that, I would also have some pain, but I'm not in, in all reality, I'm not a huge complainer when it comes to like pain or sickness or that kind of stuff. So I just didn't, it was nothing that seemed to me worth it to bring up to anybody else. I was just like, Oh, I can deal with this and everything's fine. So I, I had a hard time answering this question because it was kind of like, well, like, yeah, but not really like, no, like not to the way that other people have pain or that other people have back issues. Nothing that I would have ever in my life thought 
he was like, okay, well, we have these three things that we need to deal with all at the same time. So of course he then, he then tells me that he won't adjust me. He just kind of did some stimulation on my back to try to relax the muscles that were in complete spasm, trying to protect my spine on its own. But of course I was done with the open. I couldn't even, I couldn't walk upstairs alone the rest of the open time. So he told me to go see a back specialist, which I did. It was, so I got an MRI instead of just the x-ray. He confirmed all of those same, same three conditions. Plus on top of that, having a bulging disc between my four and five and five and S1 that those two lower discs in my back, which was then of course causing the nerve pain. So it was just kind of like a whole thunderstorm of terrible things all happening at the same time. So from there, then my, he was the one to tell me, you're never going to be able to squat again. CrossFit's just not for you. Lifting weights is not for you. You need to like chill out on this. It's not something that's good and healthy for your back. You need to maybe do something like become a runner or something a little less impactful. So he was the one, the initial spinal doctor that told me this is not for you. My advice is to never do it again. So then I rested for six months. I wore a bone stimulator per his request to see if we could stimulate the healing of the bones back into a full piece since they had broken away from each other. So he, I saw a chiropractor by this time to try to move the bones back into the place where they were supposed to be, wore the bone stimulator for six months. At the end of the six months, got another MRI. So the, the news basically was that the bone stimulator worked, quote unquote, but it fused the bone further away from one another. So it it smoothed off the break. So instead of fusing them back together, they were too far apart so that the jagged edges that the open wound was now smoothed off into fully formed bone away from one another. So it just more confirmed the fact that the vertebrae was in three pieces as opposed to having any any ability to fuse back into one solid bone. So then the recommendation, because he has nothing else to say, basically was, well, we could have surgery and we could manually push them together and put a screw in them to hold the bone together. He said, but because of the spina bifida, because when I was born, I didn't have whatever the hormones were to os- to turn that growth plate and ossify it into a bone. There's no guarantee that your body's going to accept these screws. So we may have to just see how it goes. And if you have more pain, we'll have to go back in and take them out. And I was like, yeah, no, like I'm not, I'm not going to let you dig around in there with your fingers crossed and just like, see what happens. Like, we'll see you later. So I obviously had a big choice at that point. And I had just graduated with my master's or sorry, with my undergrad and exercise with exercise conditioning. And what I wanted was to know what was going to happen. But he couldn't tell me when I asked the question, well, what happens if I lift again? Like, it's now smoothed off. Like, what is worst case scenario? What could actually happen to me? And he basically told me, well, the bad news is that you can hurt yourself in any way on any day because now my bone is in three pieces. So there's really no guarantee that it will get better. He said, you may be in pain every single day for the rest of your life. You may step off a curb wrong at some point and twist your back and your back was in a spasm. He said, or you could live the rest of your life and be okay. And you're definitely still going to have some back pain, but not ruin everything. So I was like, okay. And if I lift weights, does that increase the chances? And he just, I mean, honestly, he didn't know. And credit to him, like, he couldn't tell me, yeah, go lift weights, see what happens. Like, I understand he was just trying to be a doctor and give me the best advice, but told me the same thing about lifting weights was you could see what happens and maybe you'll be okay, but maybe you'll be in pain all the time and we'll cause another break, another vertebrae. So it's kind of like, eh, I'm not sure. See you later. Good luck to you. Kind of a diagnosis, which then I didn't know what to do with, took some time, but with my exercise science background, I knew that just doing nothing and letting my lower back muscles deteriorate was not going to be helpful to the broken bone that's in there. I was like, I have to create some kind of stability to help it. 
Otherwise, it's going to shift on its own all the time. There's going to be no support. It's not going to be protected in any way. So I have to figure out how to do both of these. So basically what I did was I started back very, 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 very slowly into any kind of movement, any kind of a weight. I didn't put anything on my back. I didn't deadlift anything. I didn't hinge. Everything was strict. Everything was perfect. Anytime there was any bit of a pain, I had to learn how to listen to my body, know what was the difference between muscle pain and nerve pain and what I call bone pain. And I had to, I wrote down every single day what level my pain was on, what I had done the day before, what I was planning on doing that day, just so I could start to learn and to read my body a little bit as to what works, what doesn't work, what causes pain, what doesn't, what can I pair with each other until I kind of figured it all out. And then eventually was able to build the strength back, went back to him a year later. This is now the end of 2012 to get an, a follow-up MRI just to see what happened a year later. This is after having now done CrossFit for about another eight months, slowly but surely adding a little bit of weight. I got the MRI and basically this is the same doctor came back to me and was like, well, the bone is the exact same. Nothing's changed. It's still in three pieces, but now you have back muscles like a linebacker. So whatever you're doing, I don't want to know what it is. Keep going. And I was like, see you later. Like I'm going to hear. So he would basically, he had basically told me without telling me whatever you're doing is working and it's protecting it more than it was already protected before. So don't tell me you're lifting weights because he didn't want to know and have to tell me not to do it. He was like, but whatever it is, do it. And I will hope he was like, I hope to never see you again. So till this day, I still get an MRI every year just to kind of see where I'm at and make sure I'm not herniated or make sure I'm not pushing anything past what I should. And I don't necessarily go, I've never seen him again since that day. I just go to any other kind of MRI clinic and read the results myself. But so yeah, so that was kind of like the whole thing in a nutshell. Oh my God. That just, that's just unbelievable. <laughs> like during that time, are you thinking, I just want to compete in CrossFit? What are you thinking when you're going through the rehab process? The, the initial, the six months of waiting, wearing the bone stimulator was, I, what am I going to do with my life? That was more, I was still in the, in the period of, I don't know if this is going to heal. What am I going to do if I if I can't do like CrossFit is a thing I just fall in love with and was really excited to compete in. And I, I was just very confused and just very hopeful that it fused back together. When I got back in there and realized that it had fused back together and his advice was not to, it immediately was, I have to find some other way to stay strong. And, but I had kind of not given up, but had lost the hope and dedication to being necessarily a games athlete or a regionals athlete. It was kind of like, as long as I can still lift a weight, I'm going to be a happy human. Like I, all I want to do is just be able to continue to lift weights and be athletic. I don't want to have to become a runner or a swimmer because that was not what I want. I had already been a soccer player. I'd basically already been a runner. I didn't want to do that anymore. I didn't want to run marathons. I didn't want to do Ironmans. That was not of interest to me. So then it kind of transformed more into, well, Hey, I can still lift weights. And as long as I can lift weights and be healthy and feel good, then great. Then I then I am blessed every day for the fact that I can still come in here. I'm not in a wheelchair. I didn't sever my spinal cord. It could have been so much worse in that moment had I shifted a little bit, another two inches in the wrong direction. So then I became very thankful for the fact that I was even in there. I tried to change my mindset into that way. Then going into 2012, when I started to feel better, learn my body more, learn how I could push, when to push, when not to push, then I started to get that competitive sense back. I was like, oh, maybe I can compete you know, on a local level in this, maybe I can actually do some local competitions as long as I'm still careful, ended up qualifying for did the open in 2012 with no expectations, still had a good enough cardio base was still a good enough athlete that I was able to qualify for regionals, got to regionals was terrified because there was a lot of movements in there that I had not done things like ring muscle ups, things like 
deadlifts, some back squats, a lot of stuff that I had no expectations on, but then changed my mindset was like, just be happy for the fact that you're here. Like you actually got here, you're competing. When I was able to to change that mindset, did really well at regionals, just did the best that I could do, but had fun, waved at my family, like hung out, was excited about the fact that I was out there, did well enough in 2012 that then again was approached by a coach who I knew at the time who owned a gym that said, listen, kid, like if you really want to do this, I will work with you every day for the next year. We'll give it a hundred percent, 110% effort and see what happens. Maybe we can, he was like, I believe in you. So if you actually want to do this, I will work with you over the next year and we'll see what happens next year. And so he, again, giving me that belief of, Hey, I just saw you do this after having just broke your back a year ago. Like I believe in you and I think you can handle this. So let's try it out if you want to. Him saying that to me changed everything. And I was like, man. Yeah. I was just going to ask you like, what helped you get that trust back in your body to be like, okay, I'm going to do this. It sounds like that was kind of a turning point for you. Absolutely. Because if if he hadn't, if he hadn't reached out to me to say that, I can't say that number one, my life would be the same right now at all, or that I would have even changed my mindset back into, I want to be a games athlete. It had, I had already lost that and was like, oh, I just need to be happy to be here to compete, which I still have all those feelings. But then it became now, well, let's prove how much I can handle how much the human body can handle how good you can be even under these completely negative light circumstances. And when he gave me that trust in the confidence that, no, I can help you with this, I will promise. And he did. And he worked with me every single day and we talked every day and he helped and listened to me and wanted me to report every single bit of pain, not pain. And he was wonderful. And he was tr- like hugely helpful that first year of building my confidence into knowing that I could be an athlete again. So you're competitive as an individual in 2013. Yes. And then you go to join a team 2015 or 16. So I was an individual in 13 and 15 at the games. 13, 15. Yep. I missed 14. And then I joined Mayhem in 2016. And that's when you guys took it. Yes. Dominated. That was the first year. Yeah. So I was on Mayhem for 16, 17, and 18. What's it feel like to be on the podium and you're like, <laughs> oh my gosh, we did it. All this work. Yeah. The first year it was. <laughs> Like if I talk about it too much, I'll still start crying because of the getting to the games as an individual was one feeling, right? Cried all day. I couldn't believe it had happened. But then at the games was, I knew that my body couldn't handle the amount of volume to push that hard. I just would be in way too much pain or I would hurt something. So being at the games was just the happy point. Being on the team, knowing that at least at those couple, those first couple of years, I was able to split the work amongst my teammates, but we had put in all the work before beforehand. And it was still the fact that I, what I, what they called me like team broke back over here was able to stand on top of the podium at the CrossFit games. The thing that I thought was taken away from me years before was, I mean, I just, I couldn't handle it. We hadn't yet even, we were in the pegboard event, which is the very last event of 2016. Yeah. And I don't remember who I don't even remember who our last person was that was finishing, but I knew at that point that we had had enough points to win. And then Dave came over to us, and when he walked over to us because he pulls people out in the middle floor, I like lost my shit. And my whole team turned around and they were like, "Are you okay?" And I was like, "I'm just so happy." Like I just I couldn't I couldn't handle it. Like the whole moment was just so overwhelming that it just I mean it was it was the most at that point it was the most incredible thing. It was the most incredible successful feeling that I had ever felt because it was 100% proof that. I made the right choice. It was like, man, like I could, this could have gone the completely opposite direction. And I just, I couldn't wait now to tell people my whole story and like, 
inspire the fact that just because you have an injury doesn't mean that anything changes. Your life shouldn't change. It's just something you have to figure out how to deal with now, but it's, it should not change any bit of desire and outcome and goals that you have. It's just a little stepping stone that you just have to work with. And it's just a new path that we have to take on the route to the exact same end goal. Yeah. So we want to, we want to talk a little bit about you going into retirement too, but before we do that, I want to ask quickly, what are some pieces of advice you want to give people who maybe get going through that doubt? in their life. Uh, maybe they are working through an injury. What were the things that were the most helpful for you to keep going and to be like, I'm sure there were professionals who were like, you should not be doing this. You need to hang Lots. up. Lots. <laughs> like CrossFit's yeah. I mean, dangerous and all that. Yeah. I, I mean, I was told by, by doctors that were in my own gym that you like, what are you doing? Like you're ruining your life. You're, you're going to make your life harder. And I was just like, I honestly, it, I have learned so much to trust my own gut feelings. And I was like, I know that this is not the end. I know that this can't be. I know that I can do this. And it was just all this self-belief that, yes, it was my initial goal was like to prove people wrong because that's just part of like a motivation piece for me. But it also became that I I needed to prove to myself that I was right more than it was to prove other people wrong. It was I believed in myself and I wanted to follow through to my own goals and my own self-confidence that like you can do this. And there was so much doubt along the way. There were so many days of me waking up and being like, God, like, do you want to do this? But it, there was the good days always outweighed the bad days always. And any single person that has an injury, not even as just an injury, but it's just going through a rough time in life. Like we all have the same feelings. Every single person that you see, every single Instagram person and all the highlight reels that you see, not one of them has not felt the exact same things that every single person in every CrossFit gym feels and had the injuries and had the nagging and had the bad days. And those are the days that make the good days the best. And at the end of the day, you need to love what you are doing. If you don't love what you're doing, then you're never going to be happy and you're never going to get that goal. Because that was the other part of it is that I would have these bad days, but I'd be like, but hell, like I'm still squatting. Like I'm still, I get, no matter what the weight was, I'm still squatting 95 pounds. And I was told a year and a half ago that I would never be able to squat weight ever again. So like there was just so many blessings for me along the way that it was, it was hard for me to ever be unhappy because there are also people in wheelchairs, people that have gone to war that have been shot, people that are paralyzed from car wrecks. There's so many people that want to be doing the quote unquote basic stuff that we do in the gym every single day that I was never, I never allowed myself to take it for granted for the fact that I can move and I can do all these things. And I just loved so much what I was doing that it really helped me just to get through it. So moving on into your decision to retire, what were the big points in your life that made you take that step? Yeah, so there was there was mainly two big ones throughout the from the end of the 2017 to into the early 2018 season. The first one was that I could feel it in my body. This was starting to the point this was part of the me knowing myself well enough, knowing what was the difference between just muscle pain and bone pain and nerve pain. And throughout the end of the 2017 early 2018 season, I was having a lot more flare-ups in my back. I was having a lot more nerve pain down the right side of my body. Um, Everything else was starting to nag a little bit. I had a patellar tendonitis issue in my left side. I started to have a lot of impingement in my left shoulder. I could just feel that my body was kind of begging for a break. And honestly, that just comes from the fact that CrossFit got harder and volume got and volume got more and weights got heavier. So of course, as our team and we're trying to win, our volume went up, our weights went up, our expectations went up, we tried to go faster. And that's all part of the game and part of the nature and part of being a professional athlete. But I really started to feel it in my body. And I had more flare ups. And by a flare up, I mean, a 
a spasm in my back bad enough that I need to get out of training or take a three days off just to make sure to protect so I don't cause any more damage. And I had at least four of those within the 2018 season, which is more than I, and I'd always had one, maybe two within a season, just when I pushed myself a little bit too hard, but four was a lot. And it was a lot of time that I was having to take off and it was too close to competitions that I just, I knew and I could feel it in my body that it was begging. It was like, Hey, like we've really held on for a long time. Like, can we please, like, can you please give me a break and chill out a little bit and stop lifting heavy weight? And I could just feel it in my bones. So that was really the first one that I still have a competitive drive inside my body. I really do. But my body was begging. And the last thing I was going to do was continue to be a professional CrossFit athlete, but then ruin any bit of functionality that I had for the rest of my life. I was never doing CrossFit only to make a living out of it. And no matter what happens, it was always something that I loved to do and that I appreciated doing. And when my body started begging me for a break, I want to be able to pick up my kids and not be in a wheelchair and not be in pain and not have back surgery. So I wasn't willing to compromise any of that for the fact that I wanted to compete for another year. So that was the first main one. And the second one was kind of the first topic that we talked about is that because of the competitive nature and I had been in it for so long, and I honestly think that me as an athlete had almost peaked. I don't know how much more weight I really could have added onto my lifts. I don't know how much faster I could really get at my chest to bar pull-ups. Like I was getting pretty close to that. So then I was starting to lose myself a little bit in the competition nature of, I was getting more upset at the end of the day with workouts that hadn't gone the way that I had. I was letting it affect my mood a little bit more. I was starting to get a little obsessive over, well, we're training for the next six hours, but I still have a couple things that we might not get to. So I need to get to the gym two hours before we train for six hours before we do the endurance. It was like, I was just starting to get a little too in my head about not being able to separate Lindy, the human versus Lindy, the athlete. And that was, it was harder for me to see that, but it was easier for the outside people, my boyfriend, my family, my sister to see these things. They were like, are you happy? Like, are you still loving this? And when I started to get those questions, I had to take a little bit more of an internal look as to like, Ooh, this is like, my mood is being affected by my workouts. And when that, when the outside quality of my life started becoming tainted by the fact that I couldn't hit a snatch that morning, I started to realize that I was having a harder time separating the two and that was also not okay with me. I didn't like that my literal mood towards other people and my relationships were being affected because of the workout that I had that morning and the fact that I was upset with it, which then to me meant that I was judging myself based off of a lift or based off of a CrossFit movement. And I didn't like that feeling. And once I started to realize that I knew that before regional. So I told my team, I told mayhem before regionals that this was going to be my last season. I will absolutely compete for the rest of the year, but then my body and my mental, my mental training, just, it really needs to take a break from this competition life. I feel like that's so something we like, even not even being close to a competitive level of CrossFit. I think that's something so many people can relate to of like, oh, you had this bad workout and now you're like questioning your purpose on this planet. <laughs> like, totally. You know, yeah. And I, I think that it's really interesting to hear it from your level of like, even at that, at that high level of skill and that high level of um, competition, like I really commend you for being able to look at that and say, wait a minute, this isn't healthy and I need to take a step back. Cause I just think that's such a great example to the people who are in the gym, you know, whether it's CrossFit or really anything that they are staking their identities on where it's like, Oh, you know, I gained weight or, Oh, I, you know, didn't PR my half marathon or whatever it is. Like if you tie those two things so closely together, you're setting yourself up to be disappointed in the long run. Like there's, there's no way you're going to live up to your own 
expectations if you're just constantly like there is a limit, like you're saying. Right. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and it's, and it's everything, right. It wasn't even, it got to the point that I was crazy obsessive about all of my food and crazy obsessive about my workouts and crazy obsessive about my sleep cycle. It was just, it literally became my 100% my entire life in a way that it had not quite been before. And I wasn't enjoying it as much because it was so regimented. And I've still, I've had the repercussions of that. Like, and I will, I've told, I will tell you guys, and I've told literally everyone that I've come across in my life. Like I was to the point of, I wasn't, I was a fit, but I was not healthy. I was a fit human being and I was as fit as my body could possibly be. But mentally and physically, it was not a healthy thing. It was kind of like my own body was fighting against each other because I was having all these nagging injuries. So clearly I wasn't like in a healthy mobile state. I was not mentally healthy because I was having all these, not relationship issues, but I was starting to take my own emotions out on the fact of the workouts that I had that day. I was getting all kinds of internal anxiety about eating out, like going out with my friends because I was like, oh, but if I eat that bite of that extra bite of rice, it puts me over my carb count. And then what if that affects my workouts? And what if I get heavy? And it's just like, I couldn't take bites of other people's food because I was so worried about it messing up my own daily macros. It was just like, when I started to realize like, I'm getting anxiety about eating an extra apple. Like, this is just not okay. You know, like an apple is like, it's okay. Like if I'm hungry, I'm allowed to eat another 10 almonds just because I already had my 15 doesn't mean that I can't have another 10. Like it was once I started to realize that not even, and honestly, I had done all this on purpose, right? I had created this discipline within myself to achieve the goals that I wanted to achieve. I had started to weigh and measure all my food since 2012. Like I had been weighing and measuring and counting every bit of ounce of food that went into my mouth because every single thing that I was doing was 100% focused on the performance that I wanted to have. And in 2016 and 2017, it was okay because I have a little bit more of a balance. In 2016, I still lived in Kentucky. I just commuted to Mayhem. In 2017, I lived in Mayhem, but it was still fresh and new. So we were exploring the city and it was a new thing. It was just from the 2017 into 2018 when I had now been competing for basically six years. And it was the only thing that I had been doing. Like, and now I was starting to see the future a little bit. I was almost 30. It was just kind of like everything was changing a little bit. And then I started to realize all this stuff about myself. Like, yes, I want to win the games, but I do not want to compromise any bit of my mental health. And the fact that CrossFit has always, had always been fun to me. It had always been something that I loved doing. And I did not want to keep seeing it as a job that I was required to do well at. I wanted to keep loving what I was doing and appreciating the fact that I could do it. And that was the difference that I started to feel. And that's the same. I mean, literally people, exactly what you're saying, people in our gym have the same emotions. They get the same hiccups and they get the same feelings of, oh my God, like I didn't PR my Helen today. Like what, what is happening to me? And I'm like, what? You went out with a, her drinks with a friend last night. Like, it's okay. You're enjoying your life. Like this has no bearing on your worth as a human being in any way, shape or form. Like you leave this gym today and you're going to be just as good of a person as you were when you came in, regardless of what your time is on this workout. And I see it in the gym and I try to give my own experience as much as I can. And that's why on social media recently, I'm trying to post as realistically as I possibly can about, I have the same feelings, like not, and I am not like in the huge limelight in the world of CrossFit, but I can tell you that every single one of these athletes has the exact same emotions, but they're just still in it. So they don't, they might not necessarily see it yet or feel it yet, but they have these same days of this same, like they feel like their self-worth is based off of the fact that they couldn't snatch 150 pounds. Like it's just, you put so much of your self-worth into that bucket. 
and it really yes. takes over your life. And I, I love that you're talking about that too. And I love your social media posts about that because it truly is. I feel like CrossFit had this really great sweet spot in like 2011 to 2014 maybe where things are like real fun and it still felt like homegrown and I know it has to evolve and we've been doing this a long time and we've been following the sport for a long time but now it's just like everything's upping the ante to where I watch the athletes and I'm like man you guys are you like at what point are y'all gonna break because it just feels literally yeah pressure just keeps getting more and more and more and more and at one point, or is everyone just kind of be like, oh my gosh, we can't handle this as humans. Um, and I think you're, you're doing such a good job of being like, I, I know my body. I listen to my body. This is where I knew that it was taking over my life in a way that just did not feel good. And I think it's really important for people to hear that. Yeah. And I just, I mean, in every, and the games is, it's very cool, right? And it's super sexy and everybody likes to watch it. But the thing is that CrossFit, like you're saying, in its roots was grounded on you come into the gym, you do this CrossFit thing to make the rest of your life better, not to make your necessarily your times faster or your weights go up like crazy. Yes, you want to challenge yourself, but the goal was to come in here, have a great hour, and then get outside and do other stuff that has nothing to do with your workout this morning. Exactly. And I think I love I as much as you know, we could talk for hours about the changes that's happening in CrossFit. I don't mind the fact that they're trying to create a big separation between CrossFit the sport and CrossFit the fitness. I think that's a great thing. I like that they're going in separate ways. I think it's important to differentiate the fact that these are professional CrossFitters to do what you need to do to look like them, to train like them, to be like them. It's not a healthy thing. Like the people that are at the games are professional sports. And that to me is the same on professional sports on every level, football, basketball, like they are doing literally everything in their lives to be the best at their sport. And at no point does the rest of the 99.9% of our CrossFit community need to feel in any way, like they need to be doing what these athletes are doing. And I just, I want to, I'm trying to bridge in my little tiny world to bridge the gap as much as I can about you don't need to do those things. And now that I'm on the backside of it, I'm trying to be more like you guys. I'm trying to train for one hour today and I want to go, I want to go out with my friends and not create the anxiety in my body. And I, I, as a human being and as a female in particular, am still honestly struggling with that and struggling with the gaining body fat because I've been in a body that I was way below what a quote unquote healthy body fat for so many years that now it's hard for me to accept that I'm healthier in a different body. So like, these are the same, like same struggles that every single female human being has in just a different way. So I am now aspiring to be more of the 99.9%. And what my boyfriend says is I'm still detoxing off of my volume and feeling like an hour a day because it is, is enough of CrossFit. And it's plenty to be a healthy, happy human being outside of the gym, which is the new goal for my life. Yeah, that's a, that's so important for listeners to hear too. And I think um, that's probably going to take you some time to kind of untangle all of those worlds of being a competitive CrossFitter to now being like, oh, and I'm backing off. I love the detoxing your, your lips and your weight. <laughs> um, but I think that that is the piece that we see all the professional CrossFitters doing where we were, we were like, oh, if that's, if that's what they look like, we need to look like that. And it's like, no, that is a professional athlete and that is right. not sustainable. And you're kind of proving that right now of like, look, this is, this is when I was in my training days and now I'm having to kind of relearn how to be a quote unquote normal human who just likes fitness 
and that's going to be a process. Stop, right. I'm 10 months out at this point, which is like wild to me, but it's been 10 months and I'm still feeling, I still have these feelings of like guilt that I should do more. And that's just from years of having an instillment that more is better and that more will make me my best and more will increase my fitness. But my, I am aware of all these things. It's now just actually changing the perceptions of how I see them and how I let them, the thoughts come into my mind. I am aware of the fact that my idea of what was fit and what was healthy was completely skewed because for what I was, uh, what I was striving for was to win the CrossFit games and it needed to be, I couldn't be balanced. I couldn't be a hundred percent, but now trying to come back, I'm still trying to fight those emotions of there's no guilt needed because I did my workout. I don't have to do an extra conditioning piece. I don't need to lift extra. I just instilled those feelings within myself to achieve the goals that I want. So now I'm just trying to reformulate those thoughts into, well, you've done enough to have the healthy lifestyle that you want to be a healthy person, to live for as long as you can. And it's, but it's definitely, I mean, I'm 10 months out and I still daily, I'm like, it's okay. Everything's cool. Are you hungry? Eat some almonds. Like everything's fine. Like it's just going to take a while after six years of such dedication and strong headedness in one direction. Like I, I thought it was going to go faster than it was, but now I'm under the understanding, like it's going to take, it's not a year thing. Like it's going to take some time to kind of come out of that. And it's okay. Like it's all part of life and the ups and downs and the fact that we are complex human beings that need a lot of love and care. And we need a lot of self-dedication into becoming who we want to be. So what are the next steps for you in the next coming years? Yeah. So we just recently moved to Boston in October. So we are up here in Boston, kind of got out of the Midwest for a little bit. We plan on being here for a little bit. We've moved many times over the last couple of years, a couple of times in Kentucky, then to Cookville, then back to Kentucky, now up to Boston. So we're hoping to stay put for a little bit. I'm hoping to grow my own business, my online training business and programming for as much as I can. I like having a little bit more time to dedicate to my athletes and to open up and to create training programs. I also would love to do more seminars. So into people's gyms to continue to tell this kind of story and to try to help people bridge the gap between the, the CrossFit sport world and the CrossFit fitness world and to just be someone that they can literally bounce and ask ideas and questions off of. And then hopefully maybe get a little bit more involved in a gym, either like a manager role or more of a head coach role. And I would just love, I mean, I've always loved coaching. I took a break while I was trying to be a professional athlete because I knew I couldn't do both to my best ability. So I didn't coach. So I love getting back in there and being in front of people and just continuing to build my own, my own company as much as I can. And last question, unless Claire has a yeah. question, but I want to know, <laughs> um, we've talked so much about your life as an athlete. What do you like to do that has nothing to do with being an athlete or anything so, to do with fitness? <laughs> yes. So this is the best is that I literally have recently signed up for baking classes, which I'm very excited about. Oh, I love so that. I, do you watch the Great I British love, Baking Show? I am obsessed with the Great British Baking Show. So cute. Soggy Bottoms. So, listen, there's, and there's so much stuff on there. Like, God, I want to make that. Like, Everything looks so good. Like I literally, I should have taken lots of pictures, but literally last week just made like a lemon blueberry cake from scratch and like ate a piece every night. But like I'm getting, I love cooking and I always have, but it was very bland and very boring for so many years. Like my chicken, my rice and my broccoli for such a long time that now it's really fun. My, my boyfriend's gotten me like cookbooks and every single night I like have him pick something and then I like to experiment. So like I'm having a lot of fun right now with cooking new foods and not weighing and measuring, but baking is just, it's more of like a science to it. And it's to me, cooking is great, but it's a little bit of like, ah, some of this and throw some of this. Yeah, but baking there's has not a lot of like, like room. There's room for error, but baking is such a science that you really yes. have to be precise. I love that about baking too. I think it's so yes. cool. 
And then when you hit it, you're like, man, I'm good. This is awesome. (laughs) This worked out perfect. So there's um, a couple of companies around here because we're in Boston. We're in a big city now, which is super fun, that they host baking classes once or twice a week. So I've signed up for a couple of those. So I'm really excited to like bake new cakes and make new things and have new fun skills in the kitchen. So I would love to see you on like a Cupcake Wars show. That would be so fun. (laughs) Maybe (laughs) like your next competition. (laughs) My... um, my boyfriend keeps saying that eventually I'm going to be on uh, MasterChef because it's home cooks. And totally. I was like, listen, we need to calm down a little bit. Like, I need some more practice before I get on there. But he's being super encouraging. And it's like anything that I want to cook, he just tries to like, let's do it. Let's go get it. Yeah. Let's figure it out. So that's a huge new passion hobby that I'm really that's excited about That's a beautiful well. thing, though. We talked about this recently of just like how food is such... Uh, an amazing thing to experience but I think when you're in that competitive world it becomes more of just like this thing you have to do and control and be precise and you can't really explore tastes and be flexible and go out to new restaurants and I think that that's um it's I get the purpose when you're competing but I also think it's just such a beautiful thing to now just be like oh I just want to enjoy this part of my life that I didn't really get to before absolutely I mean that's exactly what it was it was it was nothing but fuel. It was fuel for the next training session. And now I'm like, man, this cake is damn good. And I'm going to eat two pieces because it's delicious and it's fresh. And it's so, it's exactly what you're saying. It's so much more enjoyable to mix and match and play and not worry about the fact that it might mess up my snatch tomorrow. Cause like, right. I don't care. It doesn't matter. It's delicious. Like, and it's, it's super amazing. fun. Amazing. That's so great. Yeah. Okay. So tell our <laughs> listeners where they can find you with all your training programs that you have going on. Yeah. So I have a website. It's just www.lindybarber, which is L I N D Y B A R B E R like the haircut, all one word.com. That's where you can find all of my training programs and all of my websites. And my email is on there as well. And I have a newsletter and I do blog posts. So anything that you want comes from there. And then I also, you can find me on Instagram at Lindy Barber, Facebook, Lindy Barber. And then my Twitter handle is actually Volinda Barber. Cause that's my real name with Ooh. a V like vamp. Yeah. Wait, say that again. Volinda. So it's V like vampire. O Linda Volinda Barber is my actual name. And I got Twitter when I was like, you know, 12 or something. So I used my whole real name cause that was cool. That's a beautiful name. Thank you. All right. Well, Lindy, thank you so much for hanging out with us and spending some time this morning. And um, yeah, it's just been so great to talk to you. We, we love seeing where you're going and we're really excited to follow your new, you know, baking hobby. Yeah. I, I wish we had brought that up earlier because we love talking about <laughs> food love so much. Talking about food and the great <laughs> British baking show. We can just bring you on and talk about baking shows and all the wonderful things you're learning in your class. We would love to have Let's you do back. Let's do it again. I would love to come back. (laughs) Thank you, Lindy. It was such a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for having me.